Hello and welcome to the Innovative Missional Ministries podcast. I'm Jeff Heisner, video journalist and digital media director for the Michigan District. And today we're talking with Keith Famey, who has a long list of accomplishments from chef to triathlete to contestant on Survivor. But we brought him in today to talk about being a filmmaker. And he's the producer and director of Detroit City of Churches. And, and Keith, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. No, no, it's great to be here. Thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. Thanks for reminding me how old I am. <laughs> so tell me about Detroit City of Churches. It's a project that premieres at a private showing coming up on December 10th. It's going to be at the Fillmore, right? And then you can also check it out December 12th on PBS. Yep, it'll launch on PBS here in Detroit at 8 o'clock on December 12th. Um, so Detroit, the City of Churches, the idea behind that was, I mean, at one time, uh, Detroit had more churches uh, than any other city in the country. And and many of these historical churches still still are uh, standing, and and of course many of them are still very very active with congregations, even though uh, the population has dropped significantly in Detroit. Uh, many of the churches still uh, draw from the suburbs, from all over uh, uh, to their to their for their congregations. Uh, and then also so many of the churches have kind of morphed into with a, a lower drop in congregation of helping. Uh, the those that live on at the poverty level or even below. So it was just I thought it was a, a really interesting idea to use the churches of Detroit, and we feature eighteen of them actually. Use the churches of Detroit to tell the history of Detroit from their perspective. What what how did the history affect them, and how did they affect the history? And then why do we have so many churches in Detroit? You know, what, what what sparked that? How can how can one community have so many churches? And of course, with any documentary film that you know we've done several over the years, I always step into these projects and I explain to my producers as we start working on them is that the story that we're going to tell is never the story we're going to tell because we really don't know until we finish. Uh, we really get into it and start working on it. And then that's exactly uh, this process. And so from the get-go, the onset might've been, well, you know, let's just start telling the history of Detroit. But then all of a sudden you start stepping in the churches and now all of a sudden ideas start to just flow, you know, like why do, where does stained glass come from? Why do we have church bells? What's an organ made out of, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Why are there so many churches? How did the churches affect civil rights? How did the 1967 riots affect the churches? What's the Underground Railroad? So, I mean, these are all of these these questions start coming up as you're a director or producer working on a project, and you start delving into uh, these subjects, and then you rely on your your spiritual leaders and congregations to share stories, both historical as well as relevant stories about different subject matter and that's that's the basic structure of the film and uh it, it turned out really really sensational uh and and what's really historic about this the film as is the the premiere is that in in one 90 minute film and in this premiere we bringing together spirituality from so many walks of faith all under one umbrella in the case of the premiere all under one roof and of course in the film all under one umbrella all with a great deal of um passion and admiration for the city of detroit and so it's it's really a powerful 
in when the film comes to a close, you watch the closing and you hear the closing messages and you start realizing just, you know, in today's world, we always, unfortunately, there's always the looking at how much we are not alike. Well, in this case, this film makes everybody start to look at how much we are alike. And so, so in a way, it's a, it's a real bridging of, of communities and, uh, uh, and different faiths and, uh, and spiritual leaders and, and, uh, you know, people. So it's, 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 all of our documentary films have a focus that I always like to try to somehow turn the mirror on the audience. And so they look in the mirror and say, what about me? How, how has this affected me? You know, we did a film about Down syndrome recently. We did a film about Alzheimer's and cancer. And, you know, we did, we do big topic subjects. So I didn't want the church film to be a fluff film. I wanted to use this, the platform as, as we do with all of our films to highlight the good in people and and bring that to the surface and that's what the film's done so there are so many different churches in detroit so many different uh, ancestral roots that kind of have shaped what detroit is and and shaped our culture in southeast michigan what did you find out about this i think what was i think if you as a, as you asked that question it's interesting because i've not really put it I, I mean of course i've put a lot of thought into it but i haven't thought about it to like this the way you just said that you know what what really stood out or really stands out is the Detroit River. You know, the Detroit River, the waterway, it's like 28 miles. That waterway was so significant for the French explorers uh, who first came here, you know, Cadillac, who first came here, uh, and what they must have been seeing, and at the same time, what the indigenous uh native american indians that lived here saw what was that what was that like and and i mean had the river not been here would detroit even be be here you know who knows so the detroit river played a significant role in the founding of detroit or detroit um because it was a way that they they you know they they were they canoed down the river they sailed down the river and they found a spot that they thought oh let's just Let's plant plant home here. We'll call this Detroit, and um, and of course they had to deal with and build a relationship. And it, I'm sure at times it was tumultuous uh, with the Native Americans that were already here. Um, but so when I look back at the history, besides the the fort building and all of that, it, I think the river is so significant to the the actual development. It, it was critical actually. And then, of course, the river became the thoroughway, if you will, for so much that took place over those early years. And once the Erie Canal opened up, when the Erie Canal opened up, it was a game change because now they could start moving in heavier equipment, larger pieces of things. And so you really started watching Detroit blossom and grow um, because of uh, uh, you know, because of the Erie Canal and once again, Detroit River and the waterways. So for those of us in the Michigan district here, the LCMS, Historic Trinity is one of those churches that you show off. Uh, we got a chance to check out the trailer that you did where it featured Historic Trinity, the Christmas service, and Pastor Andrzejewski. Um, Talk a little bit about that and, and some of the great scenes and moments that you'll see there. Yeah, Pastor Dale, uh, Pastor Daryl really hits it out of the park. I mean, he's so dynamic and he's got such a, you know, a personal personality about him, warm personality, if you will, about him. And 
so you know besides the fact of him being one of the community's uh, leading spiritual leaders uh not just from a lutheran standpoint but just from the standpoint of really a, a mover shaker community leader in the city of detroit he's an amazing historian uh and he's easy to he's easy to uh understand uh his thought process so because of all that he became a really he becomes a really important part of the film you'll see him in you'll see him in a lot of areas um because he added a, a great dimension of thought about the history of detroit uh, whether it was stroh's beer whether it was a talk about water whether it's talk about stained glass um you know all of those you know, different things um as well as he actually all, almost kind of opens the film he he sets the question up like why do we have so many churches in detroit and and then he answers it um so he's really good in the film of course historic trinity is is a beautiful beautiful church it's got deep german roots um and and the whole development of that that community as well as without uh uh i forget his first name but his last name is goss his uh was one of the leading members of the church who at a young young immigrant who started working started saving his money started buying land well he ended up selling a large parcel of land which ended up becoming the rouge plant and he sold it to henry ford uh so i mean right there if you think about the significance of just that moment i mean you kind of glaze over it somebody bought land and sold it to henry ford that was so significant that that domino effect of him being a young man working hard saving his money buying land selling it to henry ford henry ford building the rouge plant became then of course henry ford started it created the five dollar workday uh which created a flood of immigration into into the area here which uh developed uh, a lot of the communities and neighborhoods and churches uh you know whether they're polish or italian or irish or, or german etc etc all because he's really now you wind it all back here's this guy who was a german immigrant came to was a member at lutheran uh church and started buying land as young as a young man working hard it was all because of him so it's really kind of a kind of a neat story if you think about it so one of the things that struck me and i'm going to kind of geek out a little bit because i'm a video guy myself uh, was the cinematography and some of the pictures and and the great scenes was it drone video you used is it um so some of the, some of the cool things that you used to capture um the essence of these churches yeah and so you what you you've seen the trailer of course and i know you're referring that you haven't seen the full film yet um but once we started so the first of all to answer your question yeah we use all different means to capture the feeling or the visuals that we feel that are important to the story drones gopros of course cameras multiple camera angles um and we shot you know for 14 months on this you know i i an ungodly amount of footage just is you know that we have but what we also did was we built 60 sets that once we started editing it took us about three weeks and we built 60 different small sets that we end up utilizing to help tell the story with pictures and images so instead of just putting a photo in the film like a typical documentary you see a picture come up somebody talks about we chose to build individual sets that would help accentuate what is being talked about with sounds and movement on those sets so this is a you know i think we've raised we've raised our own we have a pretty hard bar 
for our production documentary filmmaking. We, we've had it for years, but I think we've raised our own bar of like, well, we got to do this from now on like this. But it was a just a great deal of work. But boy, it's kind of bittersweet because we're done with it now. And it was so intense, you know, in building these sets and, and these photographs and so on. So I think that uh, between that and, of course, the cinephotography, we have a, a tremendous team, um, you know, that work work with us and work for us that uh, we're able to tell a pretty powerful story. And music, too. We utilized a lot of the music from all the churches um, in all different facets so that a lot of the music is from different churches built throughout the film. Now, I don't want you to give it away or or whatever, but I do want to ask you about some of the cool stories that that really hit home for you, whether it was uh, how the churches helped in the Underground Railroad or civil rights movement, whatever that may be. What are some of those things that you'll take out of this project? Well, gosh, um, and there are many, and I don't mind giving them away. Um, <laughs> you know, there's some really powerful historical lessons here. First of all, the Underground Railroad, I, you know, I knew what the Underground Railroad was, but I really didn't understand it significantly. And and uh, because of Second Baptist Church and the fact that in that church, in the basement, you know, they smuggled out something like 5,000 individuals to freedom. And then because of the close proximity of Canada and because of, once again, the Detroit River, they were able to do this. So that became a very major stop in the Underground Railroad in that network. Um but I really, because, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, we get to go on. Yes. So I, here, let me back it up. I liked the one aspect of filmmaking that I enjoy the most is how much I learn. And so I, I dive into subjects because I'm curious. So then that process becomes part of the films. So I learned so much, as did my team, about the Underground Railroad and the significance of what took place and the and slavery and how those early years impacted the African-American community and how once they were able to get to freedom, what that had done for them. Um, so the Second Baptist Church was a very, very powerful story. And the amazing thing is you can actually tour. You can go and tour everything we filmed. And so many people don't even know that. When you see this, you're like, oh, my gosh, there actually is a spot I can go and sit where someone sat waiting to be uh waiting to be uh taken to uh to canada the other thing of course is we stepped back in time and we felt it was important to revisit the 1967 uprising you know which a lot of people refer to as riots um but i i think that uprising is is an, an important term um or a rebellion if you will and uh it, it was uh it was important to understand the role the churches played and the role the impact it had on churches an interesting historic trinity uh has a uh, in in pastor a's office a bullet had come through the window uh during uh during the riots and is lodged in the wall it's still there and he showed us that and you know and he talked about why it's still there and why it was never removed and uh which was a very poignant uh thought on his part actually and then that's just one. And the making of stained glass. I mean, uh, stained glass actually originates uh, uh, predominantly German. And so the German community uh, in coming to uh, whether it be Lutheran or Catholic uh, or, or anything else coming to Michigan and Detroit brought along that craftsmanship. And so uh, which you see in all the churches today. So when you walk into a church and this is when we first started filming, I walked into a church and I thought, 
you know, we kind of take stained glass for granted. You just look at it and say it's pretty. But so then that was like, where does it come from? How is it made? What's this? What's behind it? And you you learn and understand that I never, of course, I never knew this. That stained glass is a story. And if you look at it, you go, yeah, it is a story. But why is it a story? It's because in the early, you know, 18th century, 17th century, there was a tremendous amount of illiteracy, individuals that couldn't read, but it was important, or even probably dates back to the 16th century, helping individuals understand the story about Jesus and God and, and the, the basis of their religion. Stained glass tells that story. So, so then all of a sudden now, wow, you look at stained glass totally different. Now you have a whole... Now you're looking at this, you're saying, oh my gosh, there's, there's a story there. And you see it unfold before, before you. So there's a lot of aha moments that I had that I think the viewership will have as well. So you have a 90 minute film, correct? And this took mm -hmm. at least 14 months for you to put together? Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's from conception, it probably almost close to two years um, from the time we started the conceptualizing of it, but working on it, yes, 14 months. Yeah. Yeah, Long I don't time. think people realize what this all entails and how much footage. No, you no, get, yeah, how, yeah. You know how much. Well, uh, this, the thing of it is, here you take. Right, because there's no scripts. You know, <laughs> un unlike a feature film, you have a script. You go out and you shoot. You know, you got a script. Mm -hmm. You go shoot for two, three, four, five weeks, whatever it may be, and you've got a story, and you start editing it. Well, we capture life, so. We don't have a script. We have to kind of just go where the path takes us sometimes. And a lot of times it'll be like, ah, we better go, you know, we better go get another interview because there's something that there's something there that we heard in the interview as we transcribed it that screams for a deeper, a deeper dive. And so, yeah, we we spent a, a, a amount of time filming on this is just, you know, it's staggering. Now, there, why don't you go ahead and give us a an idea where people can check it out. Are there still tickets available for the premiere? Um, how can people get them? If you're if you're uh, posting this soon, people can still buy tickets. There aren't a lot, but there are tickets available. It's at the Fillmore Theater, which is right next to the Fox Theater. You would need to be there by 6.30. Um, you can call our office at 248-869-0096 and just ask for Matt. He can, uh, if you're uh, if you're interested in still getting tickets, tickets are twenty dollars. The evening is kind of in celebration of the Salvation Army, which is really really wonderful. Uh, we're asking people to bring uh, 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 socks and uh, hats, no socks and gloves uh, for the Salvation Army, or a donation. They'll be set up there. A Thrivent, who is one of our leading uh, uh, presenting broadcast sponsors, will be there. Um, so, which I think that uh, you know, Thrivent has a strong relationship, of course, with uh, with uh, the Lutheran community as well as with um, uh, with Historic Trinity, so yeah, it, it's gonna be a, it's pretty magical evening. The night's gonna close with um, a uh, sixty or seventy individuals on stage. We're shut all the lights off, at, and they're gonna sing Silent Night, all holding candles, and that was uh, orchestrated actually by uh, the uh, the choir director Carl from Historic Trinity. Cool. Uh, so and and he reached out to several of the uh all the churches actually and invited their choirs to send individuals so it's going to be a melting pot of of different uh, spirituality and face all singing silent night as we bring in in, in the, the holiday season so it's me i would say it's gonna be fairly magical so yeah if somebody can attend i think they'll they'll, they'll gain quite a bit from it 
That's awesome. Keith, we thank you so much for joining us. And we also thank you, the listener, for making this podcast part of your day. God bless.